Master Joseph. Meister James. King Jonica. Danke. The Eastie Boys are back. Danke. Meister, Meister Eckhart. <laughs> Ryan, the mood. The Rhineland. Oh, yeah? <laughs> the Rhineland yeah. mystic. Sure. I've never read any of Meister Eckhart. I know yeah, some of his. I think I did at some point in, some point in life. I just remember the Meister part. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he was kind of a titan within within um, mystic Christianity and mm. participatory Christianity. I think when people hear mystic Christianity, they think like magical Christianity or something. But right, or some <clears throat> shaman with eyes of Newt. But uh, which is just mustard seed, by the way. I learned that the other day. Yes, yeah. I have Newt, and yet it was uh, such a key part of the early church of a participatory relationship with God. Mm. And uh, I, this is random trivia I, I've come across in the last few weeks that it was uh, Richard Rohr, great um, Franciscan friar, thinker, author. Um, he said that it was in the 13th century in the great schism that the western church mm. was the western catholic church because it was essentially one universal catholic church at that point and the western part was because of a lack of finances mm. um, they weren't getting the donations that they were previously mm -hmm. versus the eastern church that was still really well off mm. at that point really well off and the Western Church came up with this uh, this incentivized plan of we're going to insert ourselves more as the body of the church is the church and the priests, yeah, and the clergy. That'll do it. Instead of the convention, or at that point, the historical definition of the body of the church being everyone, mm -hmm. the Eastern Orthodox, which became the Eastern Orthodox uh, sect, became um they were they didn't need the financial they did not have you know these, these crazy financial constraints yeah that the west was feeling and so they're like no 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 it's still mystical mystical it's still you it's yeah. your relationship with god yeah yeah and it's not your relationship with the physical uh church mm. and then the relationship with god has this intermediary hmm. business and, and religion right that's what he that's interesting. He pointed to and said that that's when uh, the West, the Roman Catholic Church, which was the Western Catholic Church, lost their uh, emphasis on the personal relationship with God. Yeah. Said it was the personal relationship with the physical structures, right? Sunday attendance, uh, the clergy. But what's interesting about that, and in somewhat related, that completely came out of nowhere because you mentioned Meister Eckhart, which was uh, the opposite of that. It was the uh, participatory knowing. Yeah. The Someone mm -mm. like Meister Eckhart or even early, early church members, um, even today, it feels like the message, if you're looking for it, the message is, it seems like it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, like a yoga studio will, will, will have bits and pieces of the message. For sure. Certainly, uh, Christianity, Christ, Muhammad. It's, yeah. um, I was just reflecting on on a, uh, a a line within the Quran that says all is God. Mm -hmm. Swami uh, pointed it out and, and uh, la ilaha la ilaha. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, 
And so the message seems to be, even today, no one would, you know, everyone says like everything in moderation. Mm-hmm. No one would push you into an excessive, all of culture would kind of pull you back if you have excessive alcohol consumption. When I was drinking seven cups of coffee a day, yeah, people would be like, I don't think that's good. Mm-hmm. But what seems to be missing is the method. Mm-hmm. At least one of the things I love most about Vedanta is that systematic method of it. Right. And this is so long-winded, sorry, listeners, but the question I have for you is, can you talk? I don't know if we've ever talked in depth on the system. Mm. Talk about the message. Mm-hmm. But could you talk a little bit about the systematic approach of Vedanta? Yeah, I mean, platitudes abound. Mm-hmm. You know, you can walk down the Venice boardwalk and probably see, I don't know, a few paintings with Upanishadic truth and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. We're just written on walls. Um, uh, but uh, that these are inspiring and they're, they're great. It's, it's, it's all good in a sense. It's, um, it's all at least pointing in that direction. So that's wonderful. Um, but it's, it lacks that, uh, number one, known to the unknown, which we've discussed. You've, mm-hmm. Systematic means it moves from where you are to the goal of understanding. Um, in a uh, rational way where each conclusion is built upon the understanding of the earlier conclusions. Um, so I, Swami often tells a story about this guy who um, ended up being very close to him and one of the founding trustees of the ashram and everything. And he came to Swami, God knows, 50 years ago, I don't know, 40 years ago, sometime in Bombay, in the 70s maybe, I guess. It must have been. That seems like the right in the story of the Swami's life. Uh, he came to him, to Swami, and said, teach me the Bhagavad Gita. I'd like to learn the Gita, and I heard I heard you speak publicly, and you're clearly the man with the Bhagavad Gita. Um, Swami said, "Sure, sit down." He didn't argue with him. Typical Swami, you know. He knew where it was going, but he said, "Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, I can sit down." And he starts teaching him. And the guy kept interrupting me. Wait, what was that word you said? Wait, what was that concept you just gave? Wait, sorry, what was that? What, what, what is karma? What is buddhi? What is manas? What is intellect? What is action? What is what is vairagya? Renunci- so explain renunciation. <laughs> like, to, so Swamiji didn't argue with him. He just showed him. You can't just pick up the Bhagavad Gita, for example, and exp- you can read it. It's a it's English words, but you won't understand anything. You know. Um. Even uh, with a commentary like Swamiji's that is there. He's got a full commentary of three volumes on all 18 chapters of Bhagavad Gita. It's very, it's it's absolutely comprehensive. He worked on it for decades, and now we have it. But uh, the prerequisite to understand even the commentary that is so ex- well explained there is simpler texts. So this has always been a tradition, and I'm not a Vedic scholar enough to really know, to give you the the ancient um, syllabus. But there are texts that for thousands of years have been considered 
prerequisite texts to those, like the Gita and the Upanishads and stuff. So there's always been an order. And so, for example, Swamiji's book, Vedanta Treatise, The Eternities, that's what he, he after a few weeks, he said, the guy um, said, okay, actually, maybe you better teach me Vedanta Treatise. <laughs> you know, so they started there. That was the earliest book that was available, where it defines Vedanta, Vedanta. It defines, it talks about body, it talks about mind, it talks about intellect. It goes through the, the whole composition of a personality, composition of the world, how they relate, what the whole thing is. It gives all of, it makes you literate, first of all, in the concepts and the terminology uh, before getting into the deeper texts, before reflecting upon the trying to understand and, and grapple with the deeper stuff. And now we have even earlier texts that Swami's put together that we recommend you read before Vedanta Treatise, Fall of the Human Intellect, Holocaust of Attachment, Governing Business and Relationships. You know, These three books you read before the Vedanta Treatise because they, they break it down even into even simpler, more explained bits. And that way you build on your understanding. I mean, mind and, and intellect itself, which we talk about a lot here on the podcast, mind and intellect itself, if you ask me, takes years of full-time reflection to actually get some handle on what, what that is, what that subtle body is. And by full-time, do you mean an hour a day type of reflection on the Minimum, yeah. You go to the ashram, you can get it in a year. Maybe six months. That concept, maybe, but took me a few years. I'm sure. I know. I remember when 2002, I was in Dubai with Swamiji, and he said something about mind and intellect in some seminar, and I was like, I don't know, a really big penny dropped. Something. <laughs> I don't even remember what it was, but it was like five years into be studying with him full time means at the ashram every day for you know years and years and years. That, so when we have that deep understanding of manas and buddhi and all that, for example, it's just an example to describe what we mean by systematic, then you can get on to the deeper concepts. I mean, it all happens uh, simultaneously. Like if you take, a, if, you, if, you're, if anyone takes the e-learning program, the three-year e-learning program, uh, the online lectures that Swami has recorded, of the course at the ashram. If you do that, it will move you in this way through the simplest ideas, through to the subtler. And what often happens is you get through the end of it and you're like, wow, I need to do it again and go back to the beginning and do the, come back to the basics, work on them again and go again through the subtler ideas. So this is, this is what we mean about systematic. It, when we're talking about, um, Vedantic study and reflection. This is what we're talking about. Uh, there's probably a systematic way to understand karma yoga. There's a systematic way to understand bhakti yoga. But with regard to specifically understanding philosophy and, and beginning the process of being able to deeply reflect upon it, you can't just start. You can, but it'll just kind of like, I don't know. It it just it, it'll temporarily excite the mind. That oh, this idea is great, but it won't stand up to experience. It won't stand up to your life. You know that mm -hmm. that won't be there for you. That 
whatever that inspiring uh, thing that we read on Instagram or that someone posted on the wall of a yoga studio or whatever, it doesn't really, it's not there to serve you when you need it unless it's really deeply ingrained uh, through study and reflection. And, and you've come to the conclusion, as it were, on your own, for yourself. It has to be yours, you know. That takes system a systematic, disciplined, consistent approach to slowly turn your mind around it. Like everyone loves to talk about the biggest ideas, the infinite, the transcendental, you know, nirvana and moksha everyone loves that everybody forgets it when the moment there's like a broken toenail in life you know it's gone like where is that so it's just candy at the intellectual level for people for all of us unless we uh really systematically try to actually identify with the what he's saying Mm. actually identify with that higher thought which cannot be done overnight. It takes a systematic uh, approach. But to bring it, to even make it more practical in terms of the method and all that, what's absolutely missing, broadly speaking, in all of the platitudes that are hanging around and all of the stuff in the media that is talking about higher states of consciousness and whatever, is the intellect you will not find many people talking about the buddhi. I'm not saying there's nobody talking about the intellect, but that is the mechanism. That's the mechanism to do all of this, to actually live all of this, to gain the kind of self-governance that Vedanta talks about, to gain the kind of self-mastery that Vedanta talks about, to obviously to gain the highest state. Um where you actually experience oneness. It's not just like something on a t-shirt, you know, to actually get into that. um, Even in that direction, the most important thing to understand is the, where the steering wheel is. What, how do you actually fly this thing? And that's with the intellect. It's the only way the intellect has got to go. Your own intellect has got to, first of all, be understood by itself which itself takes time. Your own mind has got to be understood by your intellect. And the intellect, your intellect, my intellect, has to actually begin to direct the mind, to redirect the mind in some cases, to allow the mind, encourage the mind in some cases, whatever the case may be. The intellect is the driver. The intellect is the rudder. The intellect is the steering wheel, however you want to put it. The intellect is the the charioteer. Um, and and so that, that piece of, of the systematic approach to all this wisdom is woefully lacking in the world. You understand the intellect, then you can actually start. And it's, it's just, until then, it's just... Um, yeah, it's just philosophy. It's just armchair stuff until we actually start applying the reason and the values and the understanding to our lives, to our more than that, first of all, to our external lives and then to our minds and what we're actually thinking about, what we're actually feeling. And that takes time. It's not an overnight thing.
if you were to compare it to to give people kind of almost a visual metaphor if you were to compare it to someone learning to surf without a method mm-hmm. what do, what do they look like and it, it's like so many of us what it, until you find out there's a method mm-hmm. you see or hear of people surfing and you go out there what what would that look like um in terms of this metaphor of surfing also to the people that that post yeah the the platitude that yeah. that feel it in that moment that feel inspired yeah. see it hear it yeah say it to a friend in need yeah but um haven't haven't truly experienced it or doesn't don't have a method and then what does it look like for that uh as, aspiring surfer yeah that does have a method a lot of wipeouts and a lot of quitting a lot of wetsuits that collect dust forever in a closet surfboards that never get ridden so that's the first bucket the the no method the no method yeah if you if you just paddle out on a decent size day and you're like i can do this i watched koa rothman on youtube man i can do that and then you get worked and driven into some stones or or you just nothing happens you're sitting in the wrong place and you don't even know like you could be sitting in a lineup and not realize you're like 20 yards out of the lineup and why is everyone else getting waves where am i whatever it is if you literally were like i'm just gonna go and do this it's like oh uh, people are uh, meditating i'll just uh, uh, the buddha got enlightenment i I can do that i'll take the middle path also you know Hmm. no austerity not too much indulgence I, i can be the buddha worst case is you'll get you'll wipe out some some people go too far and actually get hurt or just more often than not it just won't happen like obviously nothing will happen and you'll get bored and you'll be done um whereas if you go to the beach like we see out here on the beach all the time and you sit down the guy explains to you this is a board <laughs> these are fins the fin is important for these reasons because nobody knows. No, no, no non-surfer really understands why they have fins. You might have some idea, but it keeps you directional. You know, it keeps you straight on the wave. It allows you power. It creates thrust as the water goes past the fin. All this stuff. These are the rails of your board. These rails, if they, if you fit them into the wave and the right angle, then they become like skates on ice, and you get slide, a good slide or glide. You know. That's why surfing is, some people say, I'm going sliding, you know. For example, like just sitting, you sit in class and talk about it. There's literally surf classes on the beach. We see it all the time, these surf schools. And then you got to lay on your board. And you got to, here's where your ribs go. And this is the angle of your back. And there's reason for all of it. Time tested by many, 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 many zillions of people who have learned to surf and know the best way and, this is the way to do it versus just paddling out and trying to do it yourself and imitating what you see other people doing. It won't work. I mean, it might work, but you might have these problems. If you're not very persistent, you'll probably get a lot of water in your head and be cold and at least here and sunburned and tired and you'll just lose your interest. It won't be there for you or You'll break yourself on the reef or the rocks or the sand bottom or hurt somebody else or whatever happens, which also is very um, deflating in terms of motivation to continue. So you go through the steps 
and then you start paddling out. You've, the whole thing, the first time, is just learning how to keep the nose of the board above the water. Like, this is massive. Takes people months, some people. Takes people, some people, days. Keep the nose out of the water. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to paddle. You're not yeah, ever. It took me forever. Yeah. It took me forever. It's not going to catch a wave if you don't keep the nose above the water. Um, and other thing is, don't go buy John John Florence's later, latest, like, cracker that he surfs on you know what i mean like you can't surf on that board not only that you won't even be able to sit on his board i can't sit on his board for sure after 15 years of surfing i could not sit on his board in the ocean it'd be so weird it'd be it's crazy how tiny those boards are but i see tourists come here and buy like the john john florence wetsuit and the john john florence board and paddle out at sunset and they can't even sit on the board it's just kind of dumb, you know, embarrassing. You go get yourself a nine-foot foam board just to make it all really explicit. If not 10, get something that you can stabilize and learn how to stand up on like everybody who's ever learned to surf did. Mm. And then paddle in and try to ride the white water. Just try to ride it in without even popping up. The whole pop-up so we could go on. Each stage is a process and months later, if you have all the fundamentals, you will have true bliss in surfing. You will have the joy of the ride down the line. You will see the glass parting in front of you. It's remarkable. Mm. But otherwise, like I said, worst case, hurt yourself, damage yourself in some way, or best is just you get bored and lose it. And this happens in spirituality all the time. People try to jump into the John John Florence surf style of spiritual practices and go and, you know, stop their mind. And all of a sudden, after living a totally normal, uh, worldly life until that point, it doesn't work. It doesn't sustain. And at the first challenge, the philosophy is gone. Where's your philosophy now? You know, when something happens terrible which life is full of terrible happenings all the time it's always something you know some catastrophe going on so we've got to move from from basic self-knowledge basic understanding what is what is a human being what am i starting with i have a body there's a it's a vehicle even before that life is a series of experiences you want to have excuse me, a better life, <clears throat> you need to have better experiences. Experiences are made up of you and the world. You know, leave the world, focus on you. That's Vedanta's role in it. Um, what is the nature of you? What is the components of you? What are we made of? How do they function? What's the optimal way for them to function? When do they function best? What to fuel them with? I mean, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All that well before we even get to the concepts of that everyone thinks are great. The concepts of spiritual enlightenment and moksha and nirvana and all that. We have to get the fundamentals down. Riding the giant wave at the end is fewer. Look, when it gets really good out, when it gets really big out, um, I don't know, like that day that... We were all at um, in, in uh, Ventura at C Street. There were not that many. There were nobody. There was nobody out that day that didn't know what they're doing. You know, just because coming in was deadly. 
I mean, just getting in those waves were 10 feet faces, you know, destroying good yeah, surfers on the You beach. had a great ride. And by the way, we... I, I did have a great ride. <laughs> saw the whole thing. Yeah. It's like a 30-second ride. It was an awesome ride. I got lucky. Because it was gnarly coming in. It was so gnarly coming in. And just really... People getting just absolutely worked on that shore break on, on the coming in. So as it does get bigger and more advanced, it's a leveler. Like, it levels, it levels out... Uh, the 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 crowd so is it with spirituality like and naturally so you know people lots of people want to come into spirituality to get some solace this in in some situation something's gone on in life they're confused i don't know maybe a death or a sickness or a divorce or any of the catastrophes that befall us. And they want some stability, you know, and they see a spiritual teacher that has, seems to have some balance and some insight. So they're interested. They come. And once they get that, they're good. The bigger waves of, of um, questioning your true identity and really starting to look at death and birth and the whole cycle um really trying to grapple with whether relationships are really what we think they are or whether they're we're actually quite solitary um whether the world even exists i mean th at that point um a lot of people get out of the water <clears throat> and rightfully so and i'm saying that's better than jumping into the biggest wave and trying to get right it, and maybe you get lucky a little bit. It, you'll just get worked, and and or you'll just get you'll get kicked out, or you'll you'll get strange. You know, a person that comes to certain tries to live on certain conclusions. If you if you see some platitude and try to live by it before you have the actual muscles developed to support that, to, before you have the supporting logic and reason, you decide to. World's an illusion. My family's an illusion. I'm going to go live uh, in the canyon in Topanga, you know, in the, one of the caves down there. You know, people do that. So it's just madness. You'll either end up mad or you'll, all kinds of stuff will happen. You'll set back your life. I mean, that's an extreme example. But mm -hmm. even if a person just starts walking around trying to live out a conclusion that is beyond where they actually are, it's as dangerous as paddling out on that big day in Ventura when you don't know how to surf. It's like you might get lucky and get deposited on the beach. You might break something also or someone else. Someone died the day before? Day, yeah, someone died. Day after? Someone died that morning, I believe. That you were out? And, yeah. But you, you didn't know? We were gone. We came later, but early morning, I think, someone died. I mean, those are, that was a treacherous day. Great waves. <laughs> if you want, if you know it, you know? Um, so it's better to start where we are and build ourselves. And then, you know, if we hit a point where we're like, okay, I'm good, just then stay there. At least just maintain it through study, through reflection, through exposure to the knowledge, through um, living it. 
try to maintain like whatever that spiritual muscle is that we've developed until that point through exercise to build it further to go deeper okay then you're going to need to step it up take more take deeper steps go into the higher philosophy perhaps visit the ashram get a taste of exposure to um the personality of swamiji or someone like him if you could ever find one good luck and they're not easy to find all these are deeper steps you know so this is it systematic it's how to approach it for for someone listening that's in the uh two two different scenarios uh, i'm interested in for someone listening that's just man i've listened to three yfy episodes seven yfy episodes in there they um are just learning to to paddle out mm. surf mm. um what would and, and they might be and this is completely okay in fact this is the the systematic approach yeah is there where i was years before coming across you and honestly even six years ago when we first met yeah um where it's like just enough interest to where i wanted to visit what would be um an okay path uh, not okay as in like you know average but okay to where it's like yeah that's you're getting a taste for it no need to go too fast what would be that and then i also want to ask this scenario of okay someone is maybe a year or two in because i think i would lightly read the mm. Dante treatise for mm -hmm. maybe a year mm -hmm. before um okay every morning spend 15 minutes yep then a year later every morning spend a little bit more time and it was five years before mm. four years before ever doing uh, the e-learning the online lectures but what would be that waiting or maybe it's the same question mm -hmm. what is that waiting in look like mm -hmm. where you're like man i would prefer that yeah than someone jumping in to 20 foot waves and uh get fall of the human intellect get that book <clears throat> the minimum you can do i'll start with the minimum the podcast in many ways is like top of the funnel this is we're trying to attract people to vedanta while having a good time talking about vedanta i mean this is what we're doing so um some of the concepts they would have heard here in a various order kind of however we happen to talk about them and however they happen to listen they may be clicking on different titles that are you know mm -hmm. uh appealing to them so there may not be that it's not listening to the podcast itself wouldn't be very systematic even if you went one through mm -hmm. how many ever it's just we haven't done it that way it's not meant to be that way so it's a good question what it is is um then if you want to go beyond just kind of appreciating there's this thing called vedanta these guys are talking about it's interesting i kind of dig the ideas but if you want to be like okay i want to actually practice yoga for my intellect not your intellect anymore for my intellect i want to actually start doing this yoga called jnana yoga which is yoga for your intellect i want to have this study and reflection practice in my life what do i do uh by fall of the human intellect um we're not here to sell books but 
we i mean i don't know how else to get the knowledge that is, i mean everything is a technology and that is one of the yeah unique uh, technologies that does exist today that swami obviously uh took to uh, quite well of i'm going to write a book so you don't have to come to a lecture yeah. in london or in yeah. in bombay to hear me you can start with book totally yeah <clears throat> so um the, that's why i'm just starting at the minimum you know the minimum is buy that book read a paragraph or two every morning 20 percent reading 80 percent thinking reflecting not daydreaming reflecting like literally a paragraph or two um there's so much meat in every paragraph to think through and try to understand. So you read it once, and you're like, okay, I understood every word. I speak English. They're not big, long words. For, they're simple words. But try to resist the idea that I understood what it said because you definitely didn't, you know? No, but I got it. It's a simple statement. People say, okay, pause, take a couple of breaths, read it again, think, try to just try to follow the thought flow in the paragraph and then the next paragraph and stop. That should take about an hour in the morning to do a few paragraphs, maybe a page or a couple pages, depending on what it is, you know. This will take you months to finish the book. But the, the thing is, the minimum is, it has to be every day. It just has to be every day. It's not... It can't be like when I have time between duties on Saturday morning. It it that's fine, but it will it won't be any different than just kind of occasionally listening to the podcast on your exercise bike when you have time. Mm -hmm. That's good for kind of generally inspiring you, but to actually get into it, you need to have a daily practice. First thing in the morning before you do anything else, when the mind is dream cleansed and fresh. So if you wake up at 7, wake up at 6.30 and do it. If you wake up at 6.30, wake up at 6 and do it. Or 5.30. Whatever you can manage. Start going through follow the human intellect. That's minimum. Uh, on the ashram website, vedantaworld.org, there is the study course of all the books is laid out and spelled out. What is the order of the books that should be read? In what order? So after follow the human intellect, there's the, there are more of these texts, Holocaust of Attachment, Governing Business Relationships. Then Vedanta Treatise. Then, I mean, th that itself is a couple of years, if someone's just doing it that way. Now, somebody could um, add to that by uh, reaching out to me and signing up or just joining my weekend Zoom classes. For I'd, free, I'll, I'll add. They're free, said. yeah, yeah, they're free. I teach a Bhagavad Gita class on Saturday morning. I teach a Vedanta treatise class on Sunday morning. And it doesn't matter if you're in that at that level yet. It, it's helpful just to be around those classes, just to get a sense of some 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 deeper ideas and from the text themselves. And while continuing your own uh, study course. I also have a colleague, I have colleagues around who are teaching these other texts online, like Follow the Human. So you might, I might, depending on what, who, who you are, I might connect you with somebody else in our system who's teaching the text that you're working with, maybe. Um, higher than that is, uh, come to the ashram, make a trip to India, come spend a week or two or a month. That is 
in my view, you know, that that's really the best option because you get a taste for it. You'll understand so much just by being there and attending even like whatever classes and stuff you can. There's so much between the lines but that you gain just from going there and from making the effort to go there that you'll, you'll so many pennies will drop about what this course is, what this practice is, what it is to study Vedanta as a, as a spiritual path, how to live it, you know? It's just, I know you know because you've been, but like it's hard to explain. It's such an important thing for people. I wonder, by the way, the word intelligence means interledger to, to read between the lines. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if intellect, if the, if the Latin root is to it, in between the language. I don't know. Intellect. Yeah, but, but yeah, there's some, something major there where that's yeah. worth underscoring of you, you see it more than just hear it, read it. Yeah. You see it for a week. Yeah. And you and see people doing it. You honestly, you literally like see like an ideal room for studying Vedanta in, mm-hmm. like designed by Swami Parthasarathy. He's th- those rooms are exactly the way they are because he's or arranged them that way. He said, This is the way that this is what you the minimum you need to not be distracted but have a conducive environment to study and reflect upon this philosophy. So you get a, a room that's set up for Vedanta. And it just means like there's a floor desk, there's simple beds, you know, there's not distraction. I don't know. There's just so much about being in a community that is dedicated to the path of study and reflection on Vedanta, which it is. Seven days a week, 365. It's been open since 1988. That's all people are doing there. I mean, there's work there. People are putting in actions. They're doing works uh, to support, the, to run the ashram, of course. There's yoga and exercise and everything. But the whole emphasis on the place is getting to your desk and studying and reflecting upon Vedanta as a practice, as the spiritual practice. And we could talk and talk and talk about it, but... One, the person goes there and sees for themselves they're like oh of course this makes sense okay i can do this at home and then your study practice at home will just be leagues different mm. and then eventually when you're really properly inspired and and convinced that you want to really make the effort then we say sign up for e-learning do the three-year course that has been recorded at the ashram of all the books in the perfectly systematic order that the author designed them to be taught in, you know, uh, with him lecturing and him explaining, and you get to hear other students' questions. That's the best. I mean, short of joining the three-year course at the ashram yourself, mm-hmm. which maybe that's the the best, <laughs> you know, but it's just out of reach. A lot of people have lives and things that they've already taken on in life they can't afford to move to India for three years, but that's generally the, the options. I'll recast a little bit of what you're saying. And then I want to ask, um, about the importance of a teacher, um, but the, in this, in this message and the method, if I recast what you're saying and, and part of the things that I've experienced or, or really kind of messed up early on and, or learned, and it was, uh, it was maybe just a pretty generic path of people doing this. It was, there was initial interest 
and ma- and there was some candy with the really big concepts um, and they're they're really intriguing especially for i mean the the people that go into this field are the people that are the all-star big questioners yeah of everything right have a, a huge appreciation to holy hell i didn't know questions could even get that big or yeah. they've been asking them thinking about them yeah. their whole life mm-hmm. and there's so there's going to be if you're interested in those there's going to be immense interest in those big questions mm-hmm. of what was there before us who am i mm-hmm. um, is this real what is real mm-hmm. it's and then you get into the even mundane but huge questions of what is proper living yeah Yeah. what is proper action yeah and and these are all everything i just said by the way for for everyone listening these are like one sentence answers to each of these it's Mm. not like let me tell you through seven stages of like i don't know scientological scientology like you'll learn more later yeah yeah you got to pay your dues it's actually they'll they'll tell you the big answers right away it just won't help you right because there's too many attachments there's too much there's the mind is too worldly it has to it won't actually go in you can hear the words and appreciate them and wear them on a t-shirt and maybe have it tattooed on your arm and people do i see really profound sanskrit stuff on people's arms all the time who i'm sure are not you know living up to those words right because they're hard to live up to yeah, it's not a joke, you know. But so, yeah, that's all it is. It's you're right to say they're simple. That's the point. And it is a, there, and they probably resonate with you because that truth is written within you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's a part of you that would suspect that T-shirt that says or the billboard that says we are all one. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a part of you that that resonates with because it is the capital T truth yeah. um, from a philosophical sense. Yeah, but then going from reading it or hearing it, mm. and then as the system, even the, the the known to the unknown, you're starting in the unknown mm-hmm. when you start there, mm-hmm. instead of the known to the unknown. Which again, it's like uh, even that is a simple concept, but it's such a constructive way to think about learning something mm. in the system of the oldest continuously studied philosophy in the world. It's, it's like the message isn't enough. We're also going to arise the message and the method at the same time, mm. going from the known to the unknown or part of the method of uh, Shravana, Manana, Nididhyasana of listening then reflecting. You're touching on reflecting and that part had never occurred to me, mm. reflection and that being 100,000 times more powerful than just listening or yeah. scrolling past that yeah. Instagram post yeah. that says... I stand with so and so, whichever cause mm. is yours. Mm. Do you really stand with them? Mm-hmm. Do you, are we are we capable of really standing with with someone that we do we even identify with them? Right. Um, and that reflection being so so powerful, and there's this emphasis. It's almost like there's no point in, within Vedanta. It seems like there's no point in giving out the message without the method. Mm-hmm. there's i don't know if there is a point in giving out the message without saying also here is the method yeah 
and then you sang um, Fall of the Human Intellect if you want to dive into the beginning of that method. Right. And all of this is going to sound, uh, if this is your first episode, mm-hmm. this will sound uh, like, okay, what am I getting into? This yeah. is going to be foreign. This is going to be complex, yeah. but I can't yeah. stress this enough. It will be simple. Yeah. And something you said to me about the systematic approach is that things will happen to you that don't that you don't even know yes. are happening. There are rearrangements and yes. reorientations that are happening. Yeah. yeah, yeah. With that daily reflect the daily study, then the daily reflection. Yeah, absolutely. It just yeah. It definitely reprograms you. It's like a realignment of your thoughts and feelings and stuff. Which is required. It, it's it's absolutely required to keep any of this stuff within ourselves to keep to actually be able to use it in our life to actually make it how we live it takes time you know we've been going in a certain direction the mind is compared to a river you know and rivers don't turn at right angles they Mm. take their time Mm. and um it's like that you got to slowly guide it with the power of the intellect which is like the banks of the river and it's impossible to do all that without understanding the basics and the fundamentals because we'll have different ideas about what's happening to us and it's some influence from this or that or we won't even be looking in the right direction to to fix things in our in ourselves in our lives so yeah um i i think it's it's the higher ideas are great because there are occasionally those people who can deal with them. And so it's good for them so that they're not bored. <laughs> but it's also good to sort of just shake people into wait, what 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 did they say? It's good to have like that. But so I wouldn't say that the higher ideas are are not useful. They are um, but in terms of actually starting a, a path, we have to do it this way. The the surfing metaphors is helpful in that. I think it was Heraclitus that said, "You can't push back the waves, but you can learn to surf." Yeah, it, it, it could have been him. Maybe it's so so surf so in Greece, though, man. Okay, it might have been Socrates. <laughs> but the uh, but that is what you get on this this method i mean it's the it's the uh colloquial translation would be it's a manual for living yeah um this foreign sounding word vedanta is a man it's so simple it's just a manual for living yeah imagine it's just someone in the rockies five thousand years ago just teaching a manual for living yeah um and and he lived three miles away Mm -hmm. you wouldn't not and then you just saw people changed by it yeah. you would not go and, and check it out and this man in this manual for living there is um yeah, it's it's like learning to surf through life just surfing through life <clears throat> and yeah. it's life really and you said this the other day to me it really um hammered the point home of it life for me and for many of us but i'll speak for myself it's like a wheel mm-hmm. where you you think wow it's all turning around I got crushed, but now things are going up. Yeah. 
and it doesn't stop there. Mm-hmm. You go back down, you get crushed again, and you're yeah. like, oh, I think I learned a little something. Yeah. <laughs> I, fate is turning. I'm going back up, and then you get crushed again yeah. and again. Yeah. And you get smashed by a number of waves, and then you're like, is there anything beyond just getting <laughs> smashed by these waves? And you start to get a sense that, whoa, some people can surf these things. Mm-hmm. They love the bigger wave. I'm mm-hmm. so fearful of big waves. I'm mm-hmm. so fearful of the water. Mm-hmm. There are people that are so psyched mm-hmm. that they're running from mm-hmm. the beach into the water because they cannot mm-hmm. wait mm-hmm. to have an interaction with the very thing that that I'm sitting over here saying, when will this end? Yeah. And they've been thinking about it all morning yeah. oh yeah three weeks before waiting for that swell because yeah. they know how to to ride them yeah yeah the last thing i'd like to ask about is so that metaphor is so uh appropriate because it this isn't here's a esoteric discipline that then is fun for cocktail talk with uh intellectuals mm, right this is straight up you're running late for that meeting here's how you ride that wave yeah the last thing I want to ask you about is the role of a teacher. And in this method, um, we talked about the books, we talked about e-learning, but there has to be some invaluable role Mm -hmm. of a teacher that can see where you are. Yeah. And and meet you there. Yeah. I mean, uh, the ideal guru, um, is both learned and Brahmanishtam. I forget the word for learning. I think stotrium, but it doesn't matter. It's, Sanskrit. Brahmanishtam is established in Brahman. So he's both learned and established. That's ideal. It may not be. He. It's actually maybe even more common. I don't know that there were there were a lot of masters that were Brahmanishtam, but not that learned. So they couldn't explain very well. But, um, you know, to find a, a guru like Swamiji who's established in the truth Who's, who is the truth, who is living wisdom, as we call him, and with, you know, a law degree from University of London, <laughs> it's 10 times more eloquent in the English language than I could ever be, you know, and really... Shakespearean scholar. Shakespearean be- scholar. Crazy uh, amount of diligence put into each word. Everywhere, like super communicator, exceptionally so. To have both of those in one master is just apparently very rare. Um, so, but the Brahmanishtam piece, the establishment in the truth is so key, um, in a true guru to show the way, to show that it's not all just theory. That's, that's hugely important. Otherwise you'd think like, I don't know, it seems like mythology or this is like an archetype or this is like the some ideal person this is like a you know Nietzschean concept of like a superman or whatever you know they're not really people like this until you meet one and boy does that have some power it gives you conviction that is really hard to to get to probably for most people that i could actually be the buddha you know, until you meet somebody who is the Buddha. It's kind of wild to to think that it's even possible. I mean, pipeline, they didn't surf for until like the 60s. The 60s I mean, like, you can't surf that wave. 
Like it's just not possible. It's too close to shore. It's too violent. It's too shallow, whatever, until they did. And you can't stand that deep in the tube. You can't go in the tube in pipeline. That was the next 10 years <laughs> until they, those guys started doing it, shorter boards and whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. It takes someone to show everybody the way. You know, Jeff Clark was trying to tell people he was surfing Mavericks by himself for like 15 years. Every time it broke alone with no pull vest, no, no wave runners, no nothing by himself paddling in from the beach, not on the boats. He would, he had a job. He'd go back and tell everybody in San Francisco, like guys, there's this, there is a massive super wave out there like Jaws and Hawaii. And they're like, yeah, whatever. And then they all came. He had to show the way. This is what a true master does. He shows the way. He he Swami Swami says it humbly. He says, I'm just a sign on the highway. I'm a road sign. But it's more than that. It's so much more than that. And and also, relatively, you don't have to be talking about the ultimate guru. It could just be whoever you're learning from. You see them living a certain lifestyle, and you're like, that person is brighter and cheerful and simple and whatever qualities that you're like okay i think this has value so otherwise it's just a professor and you know there's people that can express vedanta really well but they don't have brahmanishtam and so they won't have that authority which aids in your own conviction this is i mean there are so many things to say about (laughs) the guru um and what all they do but this is the one of the major ones when we, we mentioned the message and then we mentioned the method and Upanishad, meaning sit close below, and you, you're saying that it's, it is, there has to be, take you from the known to the unknown, needs to know where you, there needs to be an establishment of where you, what you know. Yes, true. Um, but what if someone can't get to Swami and, and they're listening to this and, and what is the value Oh, I can offer because I think you might be too humble to offer, but the value in in getting in touch with you and having a teacher is that same understanding of where mm. the known is. Yeah. Um, and then also all of the different circumstantial things that might be happening. Mm. It isn't always just what is the best theoretical way to paddle or right. the best theoretical way to pop up the board. It's how do I surf this way and yeah. and not talk too much about way uh, surfing, but circumstances in life, right? The circumstance, having a teacher yeah. walk you through those, how to, how to keep things ideally situated so that the study can happen. That's the line. That's the bottom line, which is why I was saying to folks, check out Vedanta Academy, vedantaworld.org reach out to me if you're interested in visiting the ashram. Because even for a week or two, you will see a life that is streamlined and set up in every way. What time you wake up, what time you sleep, what you wear, what you don't wear, what you do, what you don't do, you know? It sounds like a really strict, it's not, it's loose and fun, but you will see a life that is so streamlined for studying Vedanta, which you then can, can then take into your world and kind of modify it. And we all do that. I mean, we're all living a version of the ashram life Mm. according to our circumstances and location and responsibilities and whatever. 
so yeah, uh, correct. Another great value of having a guide is somebody who is not you, who can see your life from apart from you, uh, and who has the experience of a Vedantic lifestyle, mm. who can help you to navigate and make it more conducive, perhaps, than it is already. Yeah, to continue, I said I wasn't going to continue the surfing metaphor, but to continue it, us surfing yeah. and you showing me 15 years of experience in, yeah. in Malibu, it would take me 15 years to even realize there are spots like Ralph's, Yeah, to realize this is where to sit. Oh, sit over here. Yeah. And think about this for listeners that are like, uh, know nothing about surfing. Think about any skill in life where you had to, if you didn't have driver's ed and you just had to learn everything on the fly, if you... Yeah picked up tennis yeah. and it was just off your intuition yeah how much longer that would take yeah yeah and this is crazy because that there's this whole like popular modern idea that like you be your own guru you don't need a guru and all that who was that idea was brought to the west by gurus those were gurus telling people that and then having people sit around them all the time that is yes ultimately you are, it is you and you alone. You've got to find it within yourself. You yourself are the message. You are the truth. These are some of the platitudes that are correct. Absolutely correct. It's a single file journey. All that's true. You know, if, if you see the Buddha on the road, kill him. All these kind of statements, you know, that's more of like a haiku. But anyway, it's a very modern Western idea to say like, you don't need any prerequisites. You don't need any discipline. You are the truth. All you now. need is love. All you need is love. just just within yourself. Come here, pay fifteen dollars, and listen to this sound, mm -hmm. and and you can find it. You don't need any guidance. This is just madness. It's absolute madness. You would never paddle out to Mavericks or Jaws or anything like that by yourself, unless you are of a Jeff Clark category, and you're just not. Nobody is. Well, it's a, and it's a good way of maybe ending it is, yeah. is um, if you are, if you can hear, <laughs> which I'm not, but if you can hear all you need is love and boom, You're it done. all clicks. Yeah. That is so killer. That's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. It just won't. It's just too. But if it doesn't click for you, yeah. if you read that and you scroll past it, you double tap, you like it, scroll past it. Yeah. And then... Uh, some cataclysmic thing rocks you yeah um four hours later or even a small thing your uber guy small. comes late and you right. flip out on him because he doesn't like put your suitcase in the car or something all you need is love huh <laughs> like <Right. laughs> where does it end that that's that's where we have to be honest and start from where we are mm. so that works for you great um and and fantastic and if it doesn't if you're like myself Trust that the intuition that there's something right there, but uh, there's also it's not much of an investment to check out fall the human intellect to, mm -hmm. if there is a uh, an, a similar intuition that okay maybe there's a method to this and why it's been so so continuously studied for so long. Thank you, Joseph. As always, thank you, brother. Until next time, everybody. We'll see you. Uh, next week's episode and our next episode if we're launching them every other week now and uh, check us out on clubhouse every friday morning 7 a.m on clubhouse you download the clubhouse app and uh, you can check out the replays of previous conversations those are live and even more interactive and in that people can ask questions during them 
and uh, lately we've been having some really fun ones. So the Clubhouse app, search for Yoga for Your Intellect. Until next time, everybody, this has been Yoga for Your Intellect, Joseph and James. That episode was fantastic. And if you are digging yoga for your intellect and want to introduce this philosophy to your coworkers and your team, well, Joseph and I are down to come visit basically an in-person YFYI. Come visit with you and your team. In the same way that you might invite a yoga instructor for a team building event, we're willing to come to your office and talk to your team as well. We can do it over Zoom as well. It is, uh, it's whatever makes sense, but uh, we're even down to do it in person. And that is just in line with the mission of making this philosophy available and accessible to all those that seek it. Joseph and I would love to come talk with you and your team about yoga for your intellect. And that really comes from my perspective of running businesses for the last 15 years and just knowing, man, it was about 10 years ago I was running 50 person company led to a trip to the ER is drinking seven cups of coffee a day to try to stay on top of everything. Um, trip to the ER with a heart condition. Needless to say, it was a very, very stressful, extremely stressful time in life. And that business ultimately failed. And 10 years later, I sit here and, and get to have these conversations with with Joseph while running two companies and and a venture fund. Each day just feels like it's a hot knife through butter. I have not had a single day of stress in the last six, seven years of building multiple companies and, and multiple venture funds. It's truly remarkable and I know that it's not me or the businesses that are different than 10 years ago, but it's my approach to each day and quite literally to the start to the day because every day starts with this philosophy for me and we want to share it with your team. For me, it feels like an obligation of sorts and a loud siren saying that teams and companies around the globe need to hear this. So if you're interested, email us at, this is the key thing, email us at yoga for your intellect at gmail.com. That's yoga for your intellect at gmail.com. Use the email address in the show notes and we would love to come chat with you and your team. 